internet friends, and welcome back to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz. And as always, we are here to brighten your day, anger your soul, and tell you how to live your life in that order. Mm hmm. And Andy, I gotta, I mentioned this before we recorded, but I'm like, I normally, hey everybody, I normally record this with two computers up. One of my computers hates me right now, so I'm like, that was the first time I ever did my part of the intro without, like, notes in front of me. <laughs> and thankfully, I have memorized them, but, because uh, it's not a whole lot of dialogue, but it might make the outro nice and interesting, because I'm a dork who just can't do anything without paper in front of me or some kind of writing. We're jumping without a parachute. I'm excited. Ew. Mm. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. We are we are in a post midterms period now. We are. And I felt I felt some some stuff from that. Um I'll be touching on something marginally related to that in our hate, but I was like I got to say, man, like I was very cynical about this whole blue wave thing and it looks like we we got to a certain point and we didn't get much farther and i'm gonna choose to be okay with that but social media was depressing for a hot minute oh when is it not no I, i i i agree with what you mean i mean i'm sitting here in florida and we still managed to screw this thing up so you guys still don't have a governor yet do you (laughs) no no we don't (laughs) <laughs> and um do you have a senator like is it is the scott nelson thing decided no i don't believe so as of time of recording um november okay. the 16th okay well you did give felons the right to vote again uh so kudos well done very proud of you yeah and, and you know people so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we're gonna get more political later on this episode but i wanted to talk about that people were People um, of a certain persuasion who I know were sitting here being like, you're just going to give all the criminals rights to vote and and murderers and and rapists and and just anyone can vote. And I kept having to point out, no, specifically not the bad, bad, bad ones. They do not get to vote. This is for like the people who did tax evasion, got caught with a gram and shit. Yeah. Or, or who, you know, hit their three strikes on the three strikes you're out rule because of, you know, drug offenses, theft offenses, larceny. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I actually would argue you, you, you still should give, like, even the people who committed the worst atrocities, like, they should still get their right to vote, in my opinion, because you don't revoke citizenship for crimes. That's a good point. You know? So, eh. And the the thing of it is, like, if you're... The argument I've always said is, if you're a convicted felon and you work, you pay taxes. And if you pay taxes, you should get to vote. Taxation without representation is kind of, you know... What started all this. Yeah, like, this whole big experiment ostensibly started because they were like, hey, we pay taxes, but we don't have a voice. Hmm. So, eh... Although, before we get started, I do want to mention Florida had what I considered to be the most hilarious amendment uh, across the board in the entire country, which was um, a vote to ban offshore drilling, which was also attached to a vote to ban vaping. There it is. In, in, I think, public buildings. Yes, yes, in in public office spaces. 
Yeah, and it's like, okay, so clearly the idea here was Floridians love vaping so much that they will be okay with offshore oil drilling. And I don't, I think that one passed, right? It did, yes. Yeah, so, but, but I like, I was at my parents' place and I was like reading their absentee ballot because they were going to be out of the country during the election. And I read, I read this amendment like nine times, just like, <laughs> really? Oil, offshore oil drilling and vaping. That is the most Florida fucking shit I'd ever seen. Yeah, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> integrate solar power for the entire state, but also, a single puppy gets kicked once a month. Uh, yeah. Hey, you also did vote to ban greyhound racing. We did, and, so. and now everyone is hopefully better going to have, uh, you know, a new greyhound pupper in their future. Uh, I know I'm certainly considering it. I saw your wife is considering it. Uh, that's a conversation to have. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. The, also, right. before we get into it, uh, tying into the other topic, this is the first time we're recording since the passing of Stan Lee. Aww. And so, of course, you know, rest in peace to one of the greats. You you had a very thoughtful posting about it on Facebook, I felt. And I... Yeah. Yeah. I just tried to commemorate him through the other stuff I saw. But, you know, say what you will about the man and how he uh, enacted certain business practices and how he may have treated some of his fellow creators. But Stan Lee was probably the single greatest living flesh and blood actual person associated with the comics industry in anyone listening's lifetime. Yeah. The thing I will always... And, and thank you for acknowledging what I said. Um, I've had a complicated relationship with Stan Lee's career. Uh, Stan Lee, for those of you who kind of only know the surface stuff, um, and, and I don't blame you for only knowing the surface stuff. It's certainly the only thing that's in most of the popular culture. Stan Lee was a very, I, I'm going to be generous and say, was arguably not nearly as involved in a lot of the creations uh, that he has his name attached to, as a lot of people might think. Uh, he wasn't as involved in the actual story writing as a lot of people might think. Uh, a lot of that did fall to people like, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, uh, a lot of the other creators. Uh, I'd equate him in a lot of ways, uh, I, and I mentioned this, he's kind of a Bob Kane type of figure uh, surrounded by Bill Fingers. Sure. He was a guy who said, like, I got an idea. Let's do a book about a team. Uh, they're a family and they have drama. And Jack Kirby goes, okay, I'll create the Fantastic Four. Thanks for the idea, Stan. Excelsior. Like, basically. So, I, and I always, I, I'm a very big proponent that regardless of someone's living or dead status, you should look at them in that kind of a context. What I will always give Stan Lee is that Stan Lee was always a champion for this shit. Uh, we are both old enough to remember a time when comic books and being a fan of comic books was considered something that was completely unacceptable for people over the age of, I don't know, eight, nine, ten yeah. years old. It was looked at as kid stuff. And uh, Stan Lee was a big champion of the idea that these are stories and characters which uh, deserve a place in everyone's lexicon, deserve a place as modern contemporary mythology, and he should be commemorated for that. He, he championed this shit in the face of 
a lot of culture that worked against him. And in the end, he kind of won, you know? I would agree, you know? I mean, it's like I said, you can and you should acknowledge the flaws of the man. But, you know, we've talked about how there's no Marvel Cinematic Universe if there's no Blade. And sort of in the same... Well, to to carry that even longer, there's no Blade if there's no Stan Lee, you know? Did Stan Lee create Blade? No, but, you know, Marvel in general. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. I, I mean, I'd argue that it's not there without, you know, 2000 X-Men yeah. or uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, both of which are characters that Stan Lee was important about yeah. and, or, or an important piece of. And a lot of those Silver Age stories do not hold up. But, you know, it's, it is sad. You know, he was 95. I've, I've watched him in a million things. I know his voice anywhere. I never got to meet him. I know a lot of people who went to cons and met him. Um, there's a beautiful tribute to him on the Fat Man Beyond podcast that I recommend everyone look at. Oh, fantastic. Or it was, yeah, it's two hours of people telling Stan Lee stories. And they're hilarious and wonderful. My favorite is that apparently the one time Mark Bernardin met Stan Lee, it was because Mark Bernardin was introduced to him by Jim Lee, who'd been working with him on a project. And Jim Lee, and they were at a party, and Jim Lee was like, and, and obviously Stan Lee knew Jim Lee. And Jim Lee introduces him, he's like, Mark, this is Stan Lee. Stan Lee, I want to introduce you to a new writer. His name is Mark Bernard. And he's like, Mark, the name's Stan Lee. And he points to Jim Lee and goes, no relation. <laughs> that's great. Which, if you don't know, Jim Lee is a very Asian-looking man. And that's Stan. You know, that's... And so it's a two-hour thing of podcast of just people kind of doing an Irish wake and telling stories and, and it's beautiful. It's really wonderful. So I highly recommend it. Totally. It, you know, just so, so we're going to get into it, but the last thing is it's so funny. One of the hockey podcasts I listened to also did a tribute to Stan Lee because anyone who is interested, it's called puck soup. And one of the hosts, Greg Wyshynski is a huge nerd. And you know, all he had to say was just, you know, the man was so genuinely enthusiastic about everything and it was real and it wasn't canned and i i, I think that's absolutely great agreed okay. so to get into it yeah and um for everyone out there we andy picked this topic actually like what two weeks ago more uh yeah before we recorded the last episode um so you know i'm not going to call it serendipitous because it is a sad thing but coincidentally uh, we were going to be talking about a beloved Marvel Comics creation anyway this week. Um, so yeah, without any further ado... Which Stan Lee was involved with. Indefinitely, you know. So so you've read the title. You know we're talking about Daredevil. And and Daredevil was mm-hmm. one of the originals. One of... I don't, I don't think he, he started in any other book. I think he started with his own solo series, which means back in those days, Stan had his fingerprints all over him. Yep. So what I want to talk about today is specifically uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil. It's Daredevil Volume 3 for anyone who is keeping track of that sort of thing and came out in 2011. Now, a little mm-hmm. bit of a primer about Mark Wade. We're not going to get into him too much, but he is probably one of... I don't think it is hyperbolic to say he is one of the best 
writers working right now. He certainly has one of the most impressive comics resumes. You know, Mark Wade, he's worked on The Flash. He worked on Justice League of America in 2000. He wrote Kingdom Come, which is Ooh. one of the best, most famous, most most tragically beautiful DC stories ever. Illustrated by the wonderful Alex yep, Ross. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's also, he's he's written for Captain America, Fantastic Four. Uh, he's written The Hulk. He's still working today, still churning out great stuff. And so in 2011, he pumped out um, Daredevil Volume 3. And Daredevil Volume 3 is fascinating because it came out a few years before the Netflix series. But I like to think that it sort of served as a thematic primer for the series it it served to get people reinvested in what had become a very dark character and make him fun and make him relatable you know the last thing that had happened to daredevil in continuity was he had been basically possessed by the hands version of the devil uh, and had erected a a japanese castle in hell's kitchen and become a straight-up supervillain killed bullseye he, he was in some dark places uh and and Real quick, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I did just realize, Andy, there's it's entirely possible we might have some listeners who aren't familiar with Daredevil on a very deep basis. For one thing, we just referenced the hand, That's fair. and for <laughs> non-comic book fans, even the concept of the hand, like, hey guys, everyone, the hand are mystical ninjas who resurrect people from the dead to join their ninja army. That's a surface level explanation of the hand comics are stupid um <laughs> yes thank you for for backtracking me okay so so let's let's take a step back here daredevil is a marvel superhero and his powers are that he is a blind man who can see and not only can he see but he has super enhanced senses aside from his eyesight of course including a sixth mm. radar sense he mm. uh he got this through toxic chemicals because you know comic books he was a he was created in the 60s yeah he yeah. was created in the 60s and stuff didn't give you cancer it gave you superpowers mayor west you have lymphoma oh my yeah um yeah he was created in the 60s toxic chemicals gave him these strange powers and he decided to not let his handicap of being blind be something that got in his way and instead used his enhanced senses to fight crime in New York, specifically in Hell's Kitchen where he grew up and where his father was killed. You know, people now when we say his when we say his enhanced senses, uh, we should also mention uh, Daredevil has the ability he uh, all his other senses are highly advanced. He can read newsprint using his fingertips. It just his fingers are so sensitive that he can feel the little bumps of the ink on newsprint. He can hear individual heartbeats of people uh, and turns them into a human lie detector because he can hear elevated heart rates. Let's not get into the, let's not dig too deep into the actual science of that. He can smell the individual chemicals in foods uh, as well as perfumes. This Mark Wade run actually opens with kind of a joke about perfume, but he can smell like beyond the senses of like hounds. All of his other senses are mega heightened. Yes, he is not. He is not a blind man who he is not a blind person in the in, in the real life sense who just overcame. He is a superhuman individual, uh, mm -hmm. and he has the moniker Daredevil because. 
he uh, he acts with a fearlessness that comes with not having sight. You know, he's he's someone who will jump off a building at a moment's notice. And there's actually a great section in uh, the run we're talking about where he plays chicken with Spider-Man. They both jump off the Empire State Building and, you know, they play chicken as to who tries to grapple onto something first. And from Peter Parker's perspective, he keeps going, come on, come on, come on, come on, damn it, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But I digress because we are, we, we are nothing if not digressive yeah we're 20 minutes in and we're we've just gotten through some basic intro shit but i'm sorry i i digressed you so please continue mark wade's run of daredevil specifically y'all got your primer yes you got your primer a couple sentences late um you know and, and so i want to talk about mark wade's daredevil specifically it is one of my favorite runs of any comic book that i have ever read you know there is a a, a finite number of series that I have made it a point of pride to collect every issue of. There's Neil Gaiman's Gaiman. Gaiman? Gaiman? I say Gaiman. Okay. There's Neil Gaiman's Sandman, Warren Ellis's Transmetropolitan, um, the run of New X-Men where it was Hellion and Surge and X-23, and then Mark Dark. Wade's Daredevil. So this 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 holds a place of honor on my library shelf. And so, as, as I was saying, Daredevil was always a pretty dark, gritty, noir kind of book. And it had gotten especially dark, and the history of the character had gotten especially dark with what was happening to Matt Murdock. I don't even think we've referenced Daredevil's alias is Matt Murdock. There you go. <laughs> He's a lawyer. Jane Miles explained the X-Men. This is not. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um... Um, yeah. God, please Matt's Murdock, Matt Murdock's life had gotten pretty dark, pretty crappy. There was demonic possession involved. And, and what this run did was it served to thematically reboot him and pull him out of the darkness, pull him out of such large scale implicated stories. And it turned Daredevil into a swashbuckler and it turned <clears throat> Daredevil into someone who was happy and it turned daredevil into a small stakes comic book hero and i love that you know if you read as many comics as we do you eventually get the overwhelming sensation that the world is in danger maybe twice a day like like the earth is going to blow up or the universe is going to collapse in on itself or some some apocalyptic scenario is going to happen roughly every 12 hours in the Marvel Universe. And it gets exhausting when the stakes are that high, for me at least. Mm-hmm. So to dial things back and to dial down the stakes and focus on the character and focus on the storytelling that really appealed to me. And, and Mark Wade's daredevil is one of the best examples I can give to that. The first couple of arcs, the people that daredevil fights, they aren't a list villains. They aren't his iconic villains. Anyone who's seen the Netflix show basically knows that Kingpin is daredevil's nemesis. Heck anyone who's seen the Ben Affleck movie knows that Kingpin and and Bullseye are are the two main big villains of Daredevil, and they are nowhere to be seen through most of this um, most of the series. 
the first villain Daredevil fights is a guy by the name of Claw. Anyone who's familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's um, the Black Panther villain that Andy Serkis played. You got a mixtape coming out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there is one. Yeah, I'll send you the SoundCloud link if you like. And I reference him as a Black Panther villain because he's a Black Panther villain. But yet here he is no, causing yeah. grief for Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm actually going to push back on that. The very first scene of this run, he actually, there's a different villain he sort of fights. Yes. Uh, and I say sort of to avoid some spoilers, but on presentation, the villain he fights is the Spot, yeah. who is one of the most D-list Spider-Man villains of all time. He had one episode of the animated series. He's been in... I, 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 I'm not sure I know of more than one or two appearances in all of Spider-Man. Now, granted, Spider-Man's not a book that I've followed like, religiously, but the spot is so D-list that I was tempted to wiki him just to be like, when's the last time anyone's used the spot for anything? Right. So, yeah, so it's it's the spot, and it's Stiltman, and it's Claw, and it's these people who are very low stakes. They're very D-list Marvel villains. Um, mm -hmm. And watching Matt engage them, it's not so much that it's anticlimactic because these aren't terribly powerful villains. It's that it's, it's just so much more story-focused when you know that the stakes are saving somebody at a wedding or saving Matt's own life for his own his own purpose. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to I'm going to just say um I, I I agree with you about stakes. You know, there's there was in Marvel a very long and storied tradition of kind of a there're tiers of heroes. There's the ones who hand there's like fucking Silver Surfer out there or Doctor Strange handling, like, giant multiversal stuff. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. You know, there's there's the X-Men who handle, you know, the mutant-based things, but they're arguably a fairly global team. Uh, and then there's Spider-Man and Daredevil and Luke Cage yeah. and Iron Fist and Misty Knight and the, like, street-level or city-level heroes. And... The great thing about those, you're right, is stakes. But the other thing there, and something that I think this book handles really deftly, is how much of how much Andy, how much of the drama of this doesn't come from Daredevil punching people, and actually comes from like internal relationship drama. Yeah, the, probably probably more than sixty percent of it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's another reason why this book works so well another great example is matt fractions hawkeye i think does what you're talking about even better but yeah a mm -hmm. lot of the drama in in daredevil comes from matt having you know problems with his law partner foggy nelson or trying to flirt with the assistant district attorney um there's this great running joke through the series where again to to let people know about comics history daredevil's secret identity was put out there years ago and for a while it was really ruining his life it ruined a marriage he had but the thing mark wade did which i love is it was a couple years ago 
and Matt Murdock, the character, basically plays up the fact that no one really believes that a blind man could be a superhero to just kind of be like, hey, you're Daredevil. No, I'm not. And that works to the greater population of New York. So there's this great running joke where a character will reference him as Daredevil, and he's just like, nope, I'll let him know you wanted to see him, though. Yeah, like, he's constantly... And it's, it's funny, because, like, his attitude about it throughout the entire series is, if I just keep... Like, in continuity, prior to this run, he had, like, sued a newspaper... I didn't read this particular one, but they referenced it. He, like, sued a newspaper that had exposed him as Daredevil and got them to basically in a court of law, admit that their evidence was shaky and formally rule Matt Murdock is not Daredevil, get the story retracted. Nobody believed it. But he's basically like, if I keep denying this and just let the stories die, everyone will forget about it. Because that's what media is. Right. And that's a fascinating notion, especially considering kind of the newer media landscape of today versus like, back when Frank Miller was writing this title uh, in the 70s and 80s and print media was more of a thing and it's like if it's not in the newspapers on a regular basis people will forget about it but like each single issue of this arc opens with like it looks like a newspaper front page headline and it's a recap of the previous issue and what's going on in the previous issue but it's shown as like this is a newspaper headline and I don't know about I don't know if you read it like this. I very much read that as a meta joke of like, no, Daredevil's gonna constantly be in the fucking news, so no one is ever gonna forget this. <laughs> You're living in the past, Matt Murdock. <laughs> I did not read it that way, but that's a delightful take. I really like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's very much how I I read it. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I like I read guys. I read through this whole run in, in anticipation of this episode. And I'm kind of excited, so I apologize. I because I I should bring up, this is one of your favorite comic runs as well, right? I I can remember when when I first kind of discovered it, you and I were texting each other back and forth talking about how good Mark Wade's Daredevil is. Yeah, no, I, guys, I fucking love this run. It's, It's always harrowing for me to recommend comic book runs to anybody, just because... God damn, it is a slog sometimes. Right now, the comics book industry kind of has this problem where they keep uh, rebooting all of their series and doing brand new number one issues because they want everyone to have a jumping on point for a character or a series. Or just rebooting their entire universe two times in three years, DC. <laughs> uh, that'll be a that'll be a conversation for another episode. But... Um, my, my point is, with this, I, I don't necessarily know if this is what I would hand somebody who's never read Daredevil before. Because, you know, I, I'm somebody who loves, loves, loves the Frank Miller run. Disclaimer, Frank Miller is a monster, terrible person, brilliant comic book writer. That aside, I'm almost inclined to go back to that when I recommend it to people. But the thing is, that's so gritty, it's so dark, it's so hard, right. it's so... I, I would yeah, recommend this to somebody who is aware of Daredevil as a character and had maybe seen him in other stuff, but like had not had a preconceived notion of Daredevil. Because honestly, yes. to get personal, that's how it was for me. I never read Frank Miller's Daredevil. I had seen the awful Ben Affleck movie, and I was reading New Avengers as it came out, and he kept popping up in New Avengers but he was such a boring, depressing, 
like like physically amazing but narratively uninteresting character and then the shadowland event where he went evil happened and i read through shadowland and it was still again somewhat disappointing even even when the whole big twist is oh one of the one of new york's heroes has become its greatest villain it's like eh Whatever. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think I picked this up in anticipation of the Netflix show. And mm-hmm. it was just such a breath of fresh air. It was so, so fun and 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 joyous is the wrong word, but just, just a really fun run. And I ate it up. You know what? You actually just gave me an idea there. This is a great book. To jump on for Daredevil, if you are a familiar with him from his appearances in, say, Avengers or Spider-Man, if you're a previous comic, if you're a fan of those particular comic books, or if you know him from his Netflix show, yeah, maybe not the movie. That's a bad movie anyway. But like, if you if you're a fan, if you've watched the Netflix show and you're like, man, I really like this Netflix show. I would love to read some comics about this. That'd be a great place to be. Um, it's not going to have Karen Page. Uh, spoiler alert: Karen Page has died twice. Yeah, that's a fair bet. Uh, yeah. So Karen Page isn't in it, but like Foggy Nelson's in it. You get you get some of that reference point. So if you're a fan of that Netflix series. This would be a great comic book to kind of jump onto. The other thing that I was thinking about as I was rereading this, and it's funny because this is so fucking weirdly prescient. Guys, at the end of the series, Daredevil battles white supremacists. Yeah. And this shit came out. And here's the thing. Not only does Daredevil battle white supremacists, Daredevil battles a society of white supremacists who have infiltrated law enforcement and city official positions yes this was in 2014 that these issues came out right so i'm sitting here rereading this and i'm like and i'm like this is so fucking prescient man and for whatever reason like maybe it was because i didn't read it right as it came out i read it like not long after but for some reason in like 2015 or early 2016 when i had read this i was like oh this is really good story and you know I, I, I and now i read it and i'm like Fucking hell, this was two years before a certain election. Ugh, it was two years God before that. It. it was it was like six months before Ferguson, which, you know, in 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 my humbly uneducated opinion, really kind of opened people's eyes and and, and kick started a lot of the uh drew the veil off of people people's eyes, I'll I'll say, about a lot of the racial tension and corruption and graft in our society. So yeah, that's an amazing point. It's incredibly prescient. Yeah, and I'm and, and again, guys, this is the first half of this run is dealing with like severe mental illness questions yep. because there's this running idea that Matt Murdock may be going insane. He is deliberately trying to attempt this, like, happier, more happy-go-lucky attitude. And his friends are like, yo, your life's been pretty dark lately. Is that the best way to deal with it? And he's and he's literally just like, it's the only way that's working so far. So, he's, <laughs> so he is doing that. And some deep, dark shit happens. And at certain points daredevil doesn't know if he's losing his own mind people around him don't know if he's losing mind so the first half of this deals with mental illness and the second half of this deals with intense racism permeating through deep rungs of organized society yeah that's a that put that on the cover of the omnibus yeah this this is this is this is a book for the like the millennial generation yeah like this is and, and again 
I know a lot of people who don't like to read comic books because they aren't terribly interested in the grabby smashy and the punchy punchy. Yeah. And that's fair. The 90s were really troubling for a lot of us when it came to comics. but And, and particularly for Daredevil. But this one doesn't have a lot of that by comparison. Like, there's some of that, sure. But there's a lot of really interesting character drama. Yeah. There's a lot of... There's there's so much that's said kind of just about trying to act morally in a really corrupt system. And that's kind of been Daredevil's vibe from the beginning. He's a law and order vigilante. Yeah, justice over... Or doing doing right over doing what's in the law. Yeah, and I mean, it's and it's a whole lot of... Like, Matt Murdock as a lawyer pointedly takes cases from people who have nowhere else to go to. And yes, that's very sweet and lovely in a comic book sense. At the beginning of this, like, this isn't really a spoiler, but because Matt Murdock's identity has been exposed as Daredevil, like, he takes a case and it goes to mistrial because it all becomes about Matt Murdock being Daredevil. So they stop lawyering and instead train people to defend themselves in court and act as consultants. Right. So amid all of this other stuff that's going on, there's also a, like, wacky office drama where they're like, we're in a new industry, buddy! <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's so so I want to wrap up. You know, I, I, we could clearly talk about this uh, just just narratively, just what happens. But I want to I want to wrap up and I want to get to some meta points. Um, but to your point, a lot of it there's a lot of comedy over the fact that like Foggy is it, eats a lot of processed food and is is very out of shape <laughs> and it physically repulses Matt. Like 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 when you have super smell the uh the scent of a bag of cheetos is reviling there's a yeah. lot of humor there there like you said there isn't a whole lot of fight scene eye candy but what there is and it's it's so amazing what what wade and artists pablo rivera and chris samney did the eye candy of this book is visually representing daredevil's powers so there will be so many instances where you see his radar vision and like if 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 it's raining you see what the rain does to his vision or there's other stuff where you will you will process things how he processes things through the visuals of comic books and only comic books can really do that well i think so it 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 really just it, it creates some delightful imagery to experience how matt murdock experiences the world and so i love this this series um, lots of other people have, have won this series. Um, this volume of Daredevil specifically uh, won multiple Eisner Awards. And for those who don't know, the Eisners are basically the Oscars, but for comic books. Mark Wade won Best Writer for the series. Daredevil won Best Series. And Daredevil Issue 7 won Best Single Issue. And I want to just talk uh. about Daredevil Issue 7 because you, you go, okay, what what happened that was so great that it won the the Oscar for single comic book issue? And it's Matt Murdock having to lead a school bus, a crashed school bus, full of blind kids through a blizzard. Because he'd been volunteering on a field trip for them, and there's an accident. Right, but 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 that's it. The blind leading the blind through a snowstorm. 
am two seconds from being on you like white on rice and a glass of milk and a paper plate in a snowstorm. <laughs> it's so it's so great. I, I I heartily recommend this book to any comic book fan. I recommend this book to um, people who are interested in becoming a comic book fan. Um, I think it's a phenomenal series. I tend to not like solo books. I, I like X-Men and I like Justice League. And this is without a doubt, with the exception of certain Batman stories, my favorite solo hero book. All right. Strong recommendation. Yeah. And I and I will I will leave that there. I think that's beautiful. Well thank you, man. So yeah. heel turn. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, you, you ever you ever be like, I have a really, really great idea, and then you start doing the idea and you're like, Oh, this is gonna be infuriating, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like you probably <sighs> do that more than I. Yeah. Okay. So Andy, as I always love doing when it's my turn on any of these segments. Uh, folks, we are now turning to our hate portion. So after the lovely, lovely Mark Wade's Daredevil. Andy, let me ask you mm. something. What comes to mind when I say the name Steve King? The first thing that comes to mind is where's the N? And did you know Stephen King cameoed on the show Sons of Anarchy as a guy who disposed of dead bodies? You fucking nerd. <laughs> No, I did not know that, but you know what? Okay, perfectly fair. In fact, you know, we, we could even argue I led you there a little bit, because all I said was Steve King. Uh, those of you reading the title of this will see that I put kind of a little gnomer ahead of that. I put a title, because Andy, today I want to speak very specifically about Iowa Representative Steve King. Okay. If I if I were to now let me ask you if I were to present that title, does that name mean anything? I wouldn't be mad if you said I, that. Uh, no. I think about how Iowa in general has been one of the more uh, contested swing states of the elections in my lifetime, and therefore I assume there is political importance to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I've never lived in Iowa. I've never voted in Iowa. I've never been to Iowa. And this particular individual has earned my ire. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do a very, very quick, uh, much like my burrito recipe from several episodes back, I'm going to very quickly just run down some stats on Steve King. Okay. Uh, and then we can begin this discussion okay. in proper. So, born in May 1948 in Storm Lake, Iowa, so he is a native, uh, Steve King was raised by Mildred and Emmett King, a homemaker and a police dispatcher, respectively. Raised Methodist, he is now a practicing Catholic, having converted 17 years after marrying his wife, Marilyn, with whom he has two children. So far, so good. In 1975, he founded King Construction and the Chiron Business Association a few years later. As a prominent member of the Iowa Land Improvement Contractors Association, he became deeply interested in policy matters. He ran for and was elected to the Iowa State Senate in 1996, where he served until winning a seat in the House of Representatives in 2002, where he has served ever since. I should mention here, he did win re-election right. this past midterm. Brief rundown of policies and beliefs that this stack of fuck weasels in an ugly suit has supported. That's evocative. Yeah. So... As a state senator, he helped eliminate the inheritance tax, 
uh, passed workplace drug testing requirements, supported parental rights laws that have made it more difficult to mandate vaccination and pursue child abuse claims, and made English the official language of Iowa. As a representative, he supported continual Iraq war legislation and opposed any timetable to remove troops. He's maintained a 100% A-plus rating from the National Right to Life Committee, voting consistently to remove reproductive freedoms, including legislation that would remove Medicaid coverage for poor women in cases of statutory rape and incest. Three, he staunchly opposes any gun regulation, complaining that mandatory background checks would, quote, ruin Christmas at the king's. He's also blamed gun violence on divorce, lack of prayers in schools, and video games as recently as 2018. After the Iowa Supreme Court legalized gay marriage, Steve King spent $80,000 of his own money on radio ads to oppose the re-election of three of the judges when their tenure was up the following election cycle. He also floated a residency requirement for the marriage licenses because he was afraid that Iowa would, quote, become gay marriage mecca. He's voted against legislation banning animal fighting, which your state, Andy, Florida, has just properly banned. He opposed that. He is behind Florida on this one. He has voted against regulating arsenic usage in chicken feed, every congressional stimulus bill since he was elected, Hurricane Katrina aid, and not only the Affordable Care Act, but also Medicaid and Medicare. He's argued or voted in favor of political lobbying, an electrified fence on the southern border, the Confederate flag, and racial profiling, which he called, quote, an important component of legitimate law enforcement. Finally, King is an open subscriber to the white genocide conspiracy theory, holding forth that immigration, intermarriage, reproductive freedoms, non-Christian values, and feminism are part of a grand design to turn white men into a cowed minority, eventually leading to their violent murder. I hate this man. So there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, I know I threw a lot <laughs> at you, and I know that I threw a lot at our listeners right there. My hopes, Andy, and Andy has a copy of everything that I just read yeah. to you. He has that in front of him. So we can, like, pick and choose through this. Andy, this is a surface level. I edited this shit down, my friend. I believe you. And may I just say, uh, it, it sounded like this has... You, you've run through this list a couple of times. Your delivery was, was very engaging. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I just... <sighs> okay, okay. Here, here's where I want to start. All right, hit me. I don't imagine that we have a lot of listeners who would classify themselves as conservative. I only say this knowing the circles you and I run in and knowing who um, some of our core listenership that listen, that people that we personally know that have listened to the show, who they are and the circles they run in. Um, if there is someone out there who does feel who, who does identify as conservative or more red leaning and wants to discuss defending this guy i'd be fascinated to hear it because this goes past in my opinion just right-wing conservatism hmm. 
into some shit that's straight up evil. Like, what the fuck? For reference, a lot of you may have first heard Steve King's name when during a news interview, he was talking about immigrants coming over the border. And he, I, I want to see if I can track down the exact quote, but he basically said that a lot of the immigrants coming over the border are, if I remember the quote correctly, 70 pound men with calves the size of cantaloupes carrying pounds of marijuana on their back. That was how he characterized immigrants entering this country from the southern border. And he got some flack for that online. Sure. And when responding to said flack online, he doubled down and was basically like, no, I'm completely accurate when I say that. That is exactly who's coming over here. I... <laughs> like, 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 you're not going to get an argument from me on on any of uh, anything you want to say about this guy. You know, Florida gov- gubernatorial candidate Ron DeSantis was caught as the moderator of a KKK adjacent Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't sound as fucking evil as this guy. Like, like... <sighs> So you want to take away you want to take away Medicaid coverage for poor women in cases of statutory rape and incest. So the 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 worst ones? I don't I don't want to say that sexual assault or any reason to get an abortion is better or worse than another one. But I have heard in certain groups people who are on the fence about the issue of abortion and are against it in practice except in cases of rape and incest so you're that was that was john mccain's line yes like john mccain ran uh as his presidential platform he was a quote pro-life candidate with exceptions for rape and incest that was that was his that was the presidential platform of the Republican Party in 2008. Senator McCain revealing some of his final wishes, naming who he wants at his funeral. President Trump not on the list. So this guy looked at that and looked at what McCain was saying and basically went, nah, too lenient. Yeah, basically. Like, I mean, oh my, this guy blows my mind. I can see why out of any politician in the country except for well you know trump um this guy would draw your ire because this is just this is psychotic and and again this is this is we're we're on the same side so i'm gonna go out i'm just gonna go ahead and say that i am purely biased in the ways that you are biased but to sit here and and say that background checks for gun regulation would ruin your Christmas party in fucking 2018 when we have more more mass shootings than we've had days of the year mm-hmm. and and yeah. the, the the whole bit about saying gun violence is based on you know divorce lack of prayer and video games like th- those were those were charmingly quaint and disturbing in the nineties and to be using those as your reasonings. No one's saying (laughs) no, no, no gay couple is saying, honey, we're moving to Iowa. We had 
20, 40, 60 pro-same-sex marriage advocates that would sometimes get there ahead of us. And they were on the verge of militant. Yeah. I just, the thing about Steve King that has, don't get me wrong. I, and, and, and you're right. We have never, you know, minced many words about, like, our political leanings. Granted, as far as this podcast has been concerned uh, on, on a general basis, this is our 13th episode. We've never hit our politics. We have rarely centered them. Yeah. And this is a moment where I, I am choosing to center these politics. I chose this topic before the election. We, there, there was a possibility I we might have recorded this prior to the actual election. And my, my stance at the time that I was, what I was planning to say if that were to happen would be to say, I'm pretty sure Steve King's going to win again. Steve King is up for election every two years. He's been up for election every two years since 2002. He's won every time. Sure. And I and and a lot of that is his district. You know, he happens to come from a very a very extremely red district. And and okay, that's fair enough. That's fine. Okay. But I started following King's career right about the time that I got Twitter. So this was probably seven, eight years ago. I think I started closely following his career because he was very he was in the news a lot yeah, honestly true. he he had the kind of rhetoric where it wasn't just that he was a conservative you know i've got conservative friends i, I was posting about this you know yesterday i i've got conservative friends and relatives who i i i will never get rid of the conservative people in my life i will never remove them from my social media i won't stop talking to them because, quite honestly, the ones who have a problem with my politics have already removed themselves. The rest of them, I, I sit and I have conversations with, and I have helped broaden their horizons. They have helped me understand kind of how, how a person comes to think about this kind of stuff. But when I look at Steve King, I look at everything he's talked about. I look at the positions that he puts forth, the shit that he defends. Yeah. The way that he talks, the fact that, frankly, he's one—he's one of these guys who's out here regularly doing the dog whistle thing, regularly talking about globalists. For everyone out there who doesn't already know, globalist means Jew. Globalist means the Jews. He's talking about the Jews. He talks about how the globalists are controlling our economy, how they are ruining everything. He has been highly supportive of Tom Tillis's line. Uh, Tom Tillis, a uh, senator from my state, the state of North Carolina, who has openly said that, the, that white culture is superior to black and Latino cultures and cultures from the Middle East. Steve King supported him in that. Steve King backed him the fuck up happily. When Todd Akin did his whole thing about legitimate rape, the whole thing about, I don't know if you remember this, I think this was, um, is this 2012? I think it was 2012. Yeah, the term rings a bell. Yeah, dude was running for office and uh, he was asked about abortion uh, in cases of rape, interestingly enough. And Todd Aiken had said this thing about how in cases of quote-unquote legitimate rape, the body has a way of shutting that whole thing right. down. Basically that saying, you Basically saying you can't get a pregnancy from rape. It's true. Steve King backed him up. 
Steve King backed him up through the entire election. The Republican Party stopped backing up Todd Akin. And Steve King was like, nah, fuck you guys. I'm hanging with this dude. I like him. I like what he has to say. Yeah. I will give, I will give Steve King this. Steve King has been morally consistent. <laughs> he is morally consistent in that he has remained awful in the face of people who know better than him telling him to stop being awful. And the thing is, he's still getting reelected. He gets the pushback. The most pushback I think he's gotten is he, after enough criticism, he took the Confederate flag off of his desk. He had a Confederate flag on his desk. Andy, do you was... remember which side Iowa fought on in the, in the Civil War? <laughs> I was about to say, was Iowa in the Union? <laughs> I'm pretty, I, I, don't quote me on this, but like, no, it really fucking wasn't. Iowa was still mostly Mexico. It had only recently stopped being Mexico. Was Iowa in the Union? Huh, there's a city in Iowa called Union. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. But Steve King decided that it was real important to have a Confederate flag on his fucking desk. Tell me this, t- tell me heritage not hate people. Why does Steve King, noted racist, supporter of white genocide theory, batshit lunatic, yeah. arguable Nazi, putting a Confederate flag on his desk? That's the most compromise we've gotten out of this dude. He was one of the most intransigent members of the House during the Obama years. And he's one of those guys who, like, I'd watch him in interviews and just be like, you just want to call him the N-word right now, don't you? You just <laughs> want to call him the N-word. And, and we are preaching to a choir right now. Yeah. Most of our listeners, as far as I know, we don't have any conservative listeners. If you, if you are a conservative listener, please, I welcome you. I'd love a DM. Like, please, I'd like to chat with you. Again, I love having relationships with my conservative friends. I, I, I love having relationships with moderates, you know? My, my parents inspired me on this front because they're friends with Republicans. And honestly, they've done a lot more as far as changing minds than I have. Like, I, it just, I don't want to be insular. Sure. But, but there is a difference between, you know, a... a, a a Republican who... I criticized John McCain a lot when he was alive. A lot of liberals love to tout John McCain as being, you know, the exactly what he said he was. He said he was this maverick who would come in and, you know, shake things up and be different. And, and no, he fucking wasn't. Like, he was, he was as conservative as the rest of them. He occasionally did stuff when he knew that it would be a big... It would have a big dramatic flair effect. McCain was a PR guy, sure. but, but I could fuck with McCain more than I can fuck with this guy. Yeah. I can man. fuck with Jeff Flake and, and uh, admittedly, I struggle to name Republicans now who I, I can work with because of how polarized everything has consistently been. But I just, Steve King has had a an incredibly consistent record since 20, 2002 of either towing the party line or going even farther right of the party line. And in this, in, in, in this climate, in this environment, he is the bridge that allows the scariest fear-mongering aspects of the Trump, Trump administration to flourish. 
all the apocalyptic stuff you read. Trump could try and do this. Trump could try and do that. He could try and institute these fascist practices. He could end birthright citizenship. He could... I mean, fucking, he is putting people in cages. These are things that Steve King has been floating for years. Right. These are things Steve King has been talking about before. When Trump was a Democrat, Steve King was talking about this shit. Right. You bring up Trump, and the thing that's been running through my head, you know, personally, a lot of people... A lot of people consider trump a deeply evil person i personally consider trump to be a deeply stupid person and i think that he does not come up with these evil policies so much as he does not give a shit when they are presented in front of him steve king reads to me like the guy writing up that bill to then put in front of trump the actually morally evil person who is running around while the big orange idiot um you know skips uh funerals and goes golfing and goes on twitter this is the guy who is working up some truly despicable shit. I'm just excited to see my lord and savior Baphomet represented in such glorious Italian stone. I do hope his eyes gaze upon me and that my allegiance is recognized. Yeah. So fuck him. I'm with you, buddy. (laughs) Oh, and um, this is one thing. I didn't put it in the notes, but I do want to mention it just because it makes me laugh. Um, I want to talk directly to my old white dudes who may or may not be listening, either now or in the future. Hey, old white guys, you know, maybe your name is Owen, maybe your name is Jefferson, maybe your name is Beauregard, your last name is probably not Sessions, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, uh, former Attorney General of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) Old white guys, I understand that your dicks aren't getting hard. This is Bob. Bob is doing well. I understand that erectile dysfunction is hell. And all I want to tell you is that Steve King, while arguing against the Affordable Care Act, against the Obamacare, so many of you hate, stated outright that the Obamacare mandates, stating that Medicare and Medicaid should cover a slew of medications, including Viagra. Steve King said, Viagra should not be covered as it is a, quote, recreational drug. Vote against Steve King, old white guys. For the sake of your dicks, vote against Steve King. Thank you. (laughs) We can get there together. Uh, by the way, if any of you want to join me in this crusade, I've been on a quest to get blocked by Steve King since, like, 2010 <laughs> on Twitter. Um, so uh, I refer to him on Twitter as Pig Vomit. If you've ever seen me tweeting about Pig Vomit, I'm referring to Representative Steve King. You can follow him at Steve King IA. that's S-T-E-V-E-K-I-N-G-I-A, and please call him Pig Vomit for me. He's pig vomit to me. He's pig vomit in all of our hearts. Amen. Yeah, no. And with that.
<laughs> I don't know how often we'll talk about political figures on this show, but I just, I felt, it's hard for us to dig up hate sometimes. And in the slew of that election cycle, I was just like, I want to talk about a Nazi. Yeah. Let's talk about Steve King. I fucking hate Steve King. Let's talk about Steve when, King. When you so, hate something, you it matters. Are. And oh my, I, I hate this fucking guy. Before I got this email, I didn't know who this guy was. And I hate this fucking guy. Yeah, I have spread hate. My work here is still not done, but it's progressing nicely. There you go. All right. So we've talked about, uh, you know, something I very much love and you love. We've talked about something you very much hate and now I hate. Let's talk about a relationship question. Hell yeah. You found this one. You want to give it a read? I will. And um, so this is coming to us um, through the Internet. And here we go. Okay. Hello, love-hate relationship. I ended things with my boyfriend of three months because he couldn't decide between pursuing his ex or commit to us. His ex is okay with him seeing me, but I am absolutely not okay with him having contact with her. My reasoning is that if you don't immediately know that I'm the right choice, then I'm not the right choice. I refuse to be someone's alternate. I just wanted y'all's opinion since I'm asking someone to pick between a three-month relationship versus a five-year one. Am I being unfair? And just a reminder to all of you out there, if you have relationship questions, you can send it to us at lovehaterelationshippodcast at gmail.com or through our website, lovehaterelationship.net. That's right. Andy, we need to name this person. They did not give us a name. We do, we do, and they did not. Um, We've talked about comic books. This is about a love triangle. Hi, Emma Frost. You wanted a new queen. Now you have her. Yes! Yes! You guys don't know I love Emma Frost. Fuck Jean Grey. Emma Frost for life. <laughs> I'm so happy that made you happy. <laughs> oh, okay, Emma. You were raised in Boston but have an English accent. Let's get to it. It's been a while since we've had a legit relationship question. You know, I think people get confused and we try to make it very clear. We will take any sort of relationship question, you know, man versus pet, interfamilial, uh, work, friendship, whatever. It's been a while since we've had an actual, like, relationship, relationship question. This is true. Although you bitches still have not come up with my pet-related relationship question, but I digress. Um, yeah, so... I think I've got a take on this. Andy, do you want to go first, or shall I? Go for it. Okay. Miss Frost. Headmistress Frost. Uh, there's, there's a couple things you don't mention in this question that I'm very confused about. For one thing, you, you basically state um, that you ended things with your boyfriend. You refer to him as your boyfriend, but you state that he was pursuing his ex at the same time. Now, well, he was thinking about it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it says couldn't decide. Um, now, it also says here that his ex was okay with him seeing her, but she was not okay with him having contact with the ex, which suggests to me that the ex was part of this whole decision-making process. I, I... I don't want to assume your monogamy situation. I don't. I think that, you know, if you're if you're in an open relationship situation or an active form of polyamory, 
Um, that's valid. That's totally valid. I just... If this is a monogamy-based situation, it sounds like that's kind of what you were hoping it would be, given that um, there is a question here about choosing between one relationship or another. So it seems like you were wanting to pursue something monogamous. In a case like that, uh, where that's up front, like you state, I want to be monogamous with you, I want you to be monogamous with me, and he's like, I'm in an active relationship with you, but I'm wistfully looking at my ex off to the side and I can't properly commit to you because she's still this amount of important to me and I care enough whether or not she's okay with me having a relationship with you, which says to me that it's not a proper ex relationship, that, like, maybe things were waffling. Um, I don't think you're unfair to walk away from that. I I don't think it is unfair for you to walk away from that. Like, you are allowed to set the boundaries you want in a relationship. Now, if you're asking us, um, should, if there's a question as to whether or not you should be okay with him having contact with this ex, I'm going to tell you that very much is not a black and white issue. It really depends. If this was a five-year relationship uh, and it ended on unclear terms, I can totally understand being like, yeah, no, I don't want to be in a relationship with you if you have contact with this person. They were with you for five years. Everything still seems hazy with it. She clearly has some influence in your life. I don't I, I don't want to be in that relationship. That's not an unfair boundary to set. It's really not. It's maybe a, not fair to assume it offhand, but that's like as soon as you're talking about getting together and being officially, making him officially your boyfriend... That's a conversation that should happen probably prior to that. I don't know how the kids do it these days. If they, like, go out on three dates and then suddenly we're in a relationship or if they're in a relationship first and then go out on dates. I don't know. I've been married for a while. I was in, a, I was in my relationship for a very long time before that. I don't know how you kids do things, but I do know the only rules are everybody needs to be okay with what's happening. So, to your question, are you being unfair? I don't think you are. At least not based on the information you've presented here. I don't think you need to feel guilty about this. It sounds like you extricated yourself from a complicated situation that you didn't want to be a part of. So, kudos, Miss Frost. As always, you knew exactly what you wanted, and you got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I echo a lot of that. Um, I think... The answer to your question, am I being unfair, it has layers to it. Um, I I am also confused at the fact that there was a five-year-long relationship that ended somehow. Um, we don't have all the details here, but did not end with enough permanence that Cyclops is no longer seeing Jean Grey. To use this analogy, it and not because she's dead. Yeah, right. Um, my thoughts are: if it ended, but they maintained friendship, which clearly it seems to be the case here, and you were trying to say that you did not want your 
boyfriend to be friends with this ex and not have her in his life at all, I think that part of it would be unfair. But to... I mean, it also sounds like he is at the very least talking openly to you about getting back together with her. And is it unfair to put your foot down and say, well, that's not going to work for me? No, that's not unfair at all. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I like providing answers upon answers. I like saying something other than what Alex brings to the table here. <laughs> but I do. I mean, you, you, you don't pay for two voices, so you're, you're going to get them. <laughs> they don't pay shit period, Andy. <laughs> I know I was making a joke anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're being unfair. I, the, I, I would love a follow up and I, the, the, the connections are murky here. Um, you know, you, you bring up not knowing how the kids do it these days. I've known people that have gone on three dates and been together. I know people who have been together for two years and did not actually call it dating because that would cause issue. Hmm. So every relationship has its own differences. I get the overwhelming impression that you are... Um, very monogamous here and you you want what you want and you want someone who is not going to um, wonder if you're what they want you know I, I, I bring up a five year relationship that's a long time that's a lot yeah. of interpersonal connection and especially when it clearly seems like they are still a part of each other's lives you're going to have to deal with that. I'm surprised it's taken three months, honestly, uh, for this to be something that you've had to deal with. Um, if this fella is really worth enough to you to have gotten to an, into a relationship in the first place, I would try to talk to him, try to explain your stance um maybe maybe more than you have maybe you've explained it to death i don't know but you know i i'm not a big fan of ultimatums yeah. don't like them don't think they work but in this specific case me or her is a valid one to present because it matters to you and it matters to the other two parties. Yeah. So no, I don't think you're being unfair, Emma. And by the way, I like the black costume more than the white. <laughs> I disagree, but I see your point uh, <laughs> about the costume. All the advice is solid. <laughs> um, and Emma Frost, I'm going to, I'm going to say one thing. Uh, I'm going to make reference, and spoilers here for a TV show that's been on the air for about 11 years, uh, But uh, if you don't count the Netflix revival. But, Emma, I'm going to point you to Amy Sherman Palladino's classic TV show, Gilmore Girls. 
uh, specifically in some of the later season arc. So spoilers for, I believe it's season five of Gilmore Girls, possibly season four. Um, Rory Gilmore decides that her boyfriend of two years, who she's broken up with because she liked another boy better, um, and he has since moved on and gotten married at 18 because he's stupid. They establish very clearly that he's stupid. Um, <laughs> she, she ends up sleeping with him and after he's married. Um, and she kind of seems to have an attitude about it of, you know, he's mine. You know, I had him for this much time. You know, we were each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend like he he belongs to me in a certain way that's very much the attitude that rory has in this particular situation and the show doesn't shy away from the fact that that is fucked up okay like it does not matter how long a relationship has gone on prior if it has ended if this if this former boyfriend of yours, if Cyclops honestly had broken up with Jean Grey, and it's not like, and it, and it is properly ended, he is her ex. And not just ex because she's dead. Um, <laughs> if, if, if they are exes, she does not own him. She has no claim to him. Now, if he doesn't have his shit together and is pining over her, that is his drama and her drama, but that is not your drama. You right. Know? When you say here that you want our opinion because you're asking someone to pick between a three-month relationship and a five-year one, no, it's you're asking someone to pick between an active relationship and one that purportedly had ended. And if it turns out that it hadn't ended or hadn't properly ended or hadn't all the way ended or he's still picking the corpse to see if it's alive, that, y y you don't need our opinion, okay? You're, you did the right thing. You know what you're doing here. And no one, least of all you, but I'm also talking to everyone out there, old white guys with fucked up dicks included, if you're in that kind of a situation and you choose that to not be a part of it anymore. You know, you're out three months and that emotional investment. They're going to have to deal with the loss of you. Let them. You did good, Emma. I'm proud of you. It's not your fault the Massachusetts Academy didn't work out and all the Hellions are dead. I believe in you. You're awesome. <laughs> and I hope all of these comic references are not lost to you. Oh, they'll be lost to everyone else. But what are you going to do? Um, but no, I, I agree. And that's a good point. You know, you've given three months if it, this this problem has presented itself. And you can always just take solace in the idea that you're not giving up six. And cut the cord now because it's not what you want. If that's what you decide to do, you are completely valid in doing so. And you are not being unfair. Yep. So, good job, Emma. We, we are proud of you. And our relationship advice is, get it, girl. Yeah. 
All right. And uh, so that has been love-hate relationship. You know, Alex uh, reminded you all lovely people before, but I'm going to remind you again. If you have a relationship problem with a loved one, a friend, a coworker, a pet, uh, and you want our advice, you can send those questions to lovehaterelationshippodcast at gmail.com, where we promise we'll read them. I want your fuzzy questions. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and even TuneIn Radio. Once again, hi, Mom. How you doing? I talked hi. to you earlier today. Aww. Oh, Andy says hi, too. Uh, you can also tweet us at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D with your questions. And you can follow us there to keep up with new episodes or see random shit that we post and retweet. And I have fun. I have fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me personally, Andy Bowell, uh, at Twitter, at JovoCop2113. And I'm at A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z on both Twitter and Instagram. We are here every first and third Tuesday of the month. Someone told me recently they didn't know when we come out. Um, first and third Tuesdays every month on all the shit that I just listed before. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. And as always... Tell your enemies.